The following program is sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content. Welcome to From the Median, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro-life movement. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, remember to use our podcast apparatus and all those fun things that you can do with the podcast. I'm, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to be able to bring that to you. Right now, we are being joined by a brand new guest, and I'm so excited to have her with us. She is an author. She runs an amazing ministry. I am talking, of course, about Donna Cole. Donna and her husband, Tom, have ministered in restoration of the heart for more than 30 years. Their desire is to see the church walk in fullness without the hindrance of wounds and shame. They present pure heart seminars and retreats. Together, they speak nationally and internationally on the healing heart of the Father. Oh, my gosh. That is such a wonderful, what a calling. Donna, welcome to the program. My goodness, what a calling. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, we always want to spread the heart of God. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, when when I when I read that in your biographical sketch, I thought, wow, isn't that that's quite a that's quite a gift, and it's also quite a responsibility to have that laid on your heart that that's what you've got to do. You know, it's it's an amazing thing when we see the amazing work that God does through us, and it doesn't matter where we are and what we're doing. You know, from what I can understand. Both you and your husband, Tom, come from very, very distressed backgrounds. Maybe we'll start off there, if you don't mind, before we get into the actual ministry that you do. Tell us a little bit about your background and Tom's background. Sure. We both came out of homosexuality, which is very unusual for you know a husband and wife both to have done that. But we met after we both came to the Lord about two or three years later. So we did not know each other while we were in that lifestyle. But God brought us together later. And then we married. And many people think like, wow, what a great marriage you must have had because you both could understand each other and came from the same background. But the truth is, we had a very hard marriage because we came from the same background. We had many walls up, hurts, pains. So the book Pure Heart, which uh, is a restoration through the Beatitudes, like eight different lessons with the wounds that most of us receive in our growing up years, came from the school of hard knocks, two very broken people who needed to find God's healing. So um, my story was just that I was the second born daughter of a family of all girls and my father really wanted a boy and children do pick up on things, even if it isn't said to them. And so I was more like a firstborn son than ever a second born daughter. I was the rescuer. I was the one that went and helped my dad change oil, climb trees, got boy toys when my sister got girl toys. And I liked all that. Because I believe at an early age, I rejected my femininity because every child 
wants to be what their parents want. And so that was the process, the beginning of an enemy lying to me about who I was and about uh, what I believed about myself. My father also was abusive and beat my mom, beat us. And so after 13 years of marriage, I was eight at that time. She divorced my father. And in all of us in our brokenness, we look to certain things. So my mom and her brokenness felt that unless she had a man on her arm, she was worth nothing. I, in my brokenness, felt I needed another woman to fill that void in our my heart. So we all can look to many things. We can look to drugs. We can look to alcohol. We can look to same-sex attraction, opposite-sex attraction, anything to fulfill that void that is really screaming out a hole in my heart in need of God. And so she married another man who was 10 times more abusive than my father ever was, and he abused us. And uh, after about two or three years um, he went to prison. He murdered two people. So he really was that abusive. Then wow. came my next stepfather who, um, um, started to molest me and my sisters. Uh, he was around about two or three years. So what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to be invited into life. We're supposed to have our parents speak and protect us and, and speak over us who we are. But when we don't have that, the enemy is right there to, mm-hmm. to uh, come in with lies and hurts and cause us to put walls around our hearts. So as I went through these different incidences, of course, I put walls around my heart. So walls of self-protection, walls I will never be weak like my mother, walls no man will ever do those things to me. Um, and so forth. So as I grew, the enemy will reinforce the lies we believe as a little child with other incidences that happen in our lives. It kind of like reinforces that belief system. And so after my second stepfather who molested us left, he was only around for a couple years. My mom never married again, just men came and gone out of our lives. So at age 18, I came out fully as homosexual told my mom, I'm born this way. There's nothing I can do about it. That felt so true. And then um, she also affirmed that and, uh, uh, you know, did not reject me is what I'm saying. And then I lived that life for four, four years till t- almost 21. I, I, and when you are gay, everything in your life is around your homosexuality. Yeah. So gay yeah. bars, gay res- restaurants, gay friends. And so it took God to show me. Um, I started asking him, what is life all about? Is Jesus real? Why do people go to church? Because I felt I don't see any difference in these people and me. And what does it matter anyways? But I really meant those questions. And when we pray from the heart, God is a heart God and he hears those questions. So on um, Good Friday, about a month later, I walked into church. Um, we were not, you know, regular churchgoers. We were Catholic, mostly Christmas, Easter kind of people. And when I went in on Good Friday, and when you're Catholic, you're supposed to sit before the cross and think about it for three hours when Jesus was on the cross. But I went the last 15 minutes. I just thought, I got to go. And and I, I asked my mom to go with me. And it's strange. She just came, didn't think anything of it. We went. And as soon as I walked in that church, a, a feeling like if someone died that you knew, came over me and I thought, well, that's strange. You go to church and nothing happens. Then I sat in the pew and at the front of the church at a Catholic church was just a life-size wooden cross. No, Jesus was on it, a wooden cross where you're supposed to think about his death. And God opened my eyes wow. as if I, um, it, it's called an open vision at the time. I had no idea what an open vision was. 
But the way I describe it was like a TV screen in front of me. And I saw Jesus Christ dying as if it was happening. And he answered all my question questions. Oh, it's not about church. It's about him. He is real. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. what life's all wow. about. Wow. And then I thought, I can't tell this to my mom because she'll think I'm crazy or I'm on something because I did, of course, a lot of drugs. So I just went out the highway at three o'clock. You're supposed to cross yourself. And all these tears start coming eyes. And I'm thinking, why am I crying? And I came, I knelt down just so my mom wouldn't see me crying. And I put my head head down and God speaks to me. And I never knew he could speak to anybody. I just thought he had his big finger down, that finger of accusation, that finger that says, you are uh, homosexual. You are a bad person. I stole back then. I did drugs back then that he had his anger finger pointing at me. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you looked everywhere else for love, but I loved you and I died for your sins. And no one ever told me he loved me. And I walked out of that church. I never drank again. I never smoked wow, did drugs again. And I realized I wasn't gay anymore, though that doesn't happen to most people. Just like once in a while you hear the alcohol story. Um, but yeah. most of the time it t takes healing and time. And sometimes as a church, we want someone done with something right away. But my biggest struggle that took me years to overcome was anger and rage. Wow. What an amazing, amazing testimony. That is, it's more than a testimony. It, it's, it's a revelation, really, because that is exactly what we, we all hope to at some point feel. You know, it's amazing that God got you to that point and then gave you that gift of really feeling Him right there with you and knowing that it, it was Him, that it is Him, that He's there waiting for us. I wish we could, you know, I know He's always there. It's just us that put up the barriers. I mean, I think that's, you know, from what you, from your story there and from, from your recollections and everything, that's it. You know, somehow or other those barriers dropped and you could feel Him. You knew he was right there. What do you say to, um, you know, you've written a book called, you, you and Tom have written this book, Pure Hearts. Um, one of the things you, you talk about is that you suggest that part of our problems is part of, is that we try to satisfy, I'm sure, so to heal, to do all of those kinds of things away from God. We don't Turn to God far too often. We don't turn to God. We turn away from God. Why do we do that? And I would say it's because the way many times we see God. So we see God most of the time the way our parents or the people that raised us reflected him to us. Hmm. So when with our book, what we do is we go through each of the the um, main things that hold us back from receiving God's love, for for receiving His love to see Him correctly, to see ourselves correctly, and to see others correctly. So when we have those hurts and wounds and woes and barriers and self protections, the way I like to say it's like we have a glasses on and those glasses are tainted and we see life through those tainted glasses. And so what we do with pure heart um, is we take that our first teaching is admitting your need and we take the beatitude with each of these teachings and the one with that one is blessed are the poor in spirit or in other words, blessed are those who recognize their need for theirs is the kingdom of God. So we can never get changed if we won't come to God and say, 
wow, I recognize I do have a need. Life is not working out the way I thought it would, or life is working out really bad, me doing it my own way. And so then we turn to God and we start to do teach on father issues because Jesus came as a man, but we are also wounded with our moms and our dads. And we're not here to point fingers. It's just to look at our lives in truth to see if there's anything that has contributed and wounds and hurts that God would like to heal or lies and belief systems that we were raised with or believe about ourselves. And so whoever raises us in their imperfections are going to contribute to those things. Since the garden, no, there were never any more perfect parents. So Adam and Eve sinned. I sinned as a parent. We all have sinned. And so I'm never going to meet my child's full needs or or um, call them out the way that they need to be called out in fullness. No, we need God first. Mm-hmm. But our parents, again, were supposed to point us to that. So with mm-hmm. mothers, we always say they were designed to teach us how to receive love. So in the end, we could give love. And they were designed to point us to a uh, being God who was bigger than ourselves, who could meet our needs. So as our moms nursed us or changed our diaper or we called and she came, she was supposed to point us to someone bigger than ourselves. The scripture I, I always use with that one is uh, Psalm 22, 9 and 10. You brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you, meaning God, when I was a nursing infant. I was thrust upon you from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. So our parents and our mom, the first person we've ever met in our lives because we were in her womb, we heard her voice, she birthed us. And if she raised us, then she was the first person to ever give us love and that connection and meet our needs. And that was to point us to God. Now, if we're adopted, then we have two wounds that God needs to heal. One where our biological um, parents left us, even if it was for the best intentions. Many times in the body of Christ, we try to get our needs met from the head. We will never get healed from the head. I must get in touch with my heart. Let my heart speak, whether it's Wow, even though I know she did it for good intention, she might have been 15 and and in a terrible situation. My heart says, Mom, why didn't you keep me? Why did you reject me? And I must, just like the Psalms do, let my heart speak. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So true. You know, one of the other things you do that, that you talk about here, um, in the book, Donna, is, is the, the, the enemy understands, you say that the enemy understands a woman's heart and tries to destroy it. We are watching that all over the whole world at the moment with the enemy trying to destroy the, the, the heart of a mother, you know, with, with abortion, with what we, what I deal with on a daily basis. That's the destruction of a woman's heart. Why do you say that? Well, God designed men and women to be very different. And so, um, what he, what the enemy does is he's trying to destroy those differences and destroy our identity because we were made in the image of God. So just like I talked about a mother, a father is also to reflect different things about God to us. He's to name us. He has a voice of authority over our lives. He's supposed to guide us with direction and protect us. And so when those things don't happen, the enemy comes in to destroy. Well, one of the things a woman also carries is the beauty and heart of God. Each, um, 
um, gender reflects different things. So Adam, God told him to, uh, um, uh, to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God gave Adam certain instructions that if you look in the story, he wasn't formed yet, and he was supposed to pass those instructions on to, to the woman. And so those things um, were added to because God said, don't touch, I mean, don't eat, but a Adam added to Eve and said, don't touch or eat unless we die. And so it says that the woman was deceived, but Adam willingly sinned. So I believe what happened was when that Satan came in and said, hey, go take that. Uh, didn't God say, first he said, didn't, did God say you can't eat from all the trees? So he always comes with a lie, right? Did God say? And then, uh, yeah. as, and then he also, the second part, and God is holding out on you. Oh, God knows that if you eat of that, you will become like him and you will know good from evil. And so the enemy always comes with that same MO. So I believe what happened is she touched that fruit and thought, oh my gosh, because God makes it clear in New Testament, she was deceived and probably thought, well, I'm not dead. And then it says she takes a bite. <sighs> And then her husband who was with her takes a bite. Now he takes a bite, it says in the New Testament, knowingly. And, and so during when those things happened, certain sin characters came in with the women and certain sin characters came in with the man. And so with the woman, um, the enemy came in and wanted, uh, God said that she's going to now want to control. She took control. And from that point on, she's going to want to control with the man. He became passive and he put himself first. Cause he's like, Ooh, I don't want to be separated from this woman. God brought her to me. She was everything I've ever needed. Right. Cause it says it's not good for man to be alone. And that was in the garden with him walking with God with no sin. And then when God brings this woman to her, him, he says, finally, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She met a need that he so needed because God says, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Then the second one was like it, love each other as ourselves. So God made us with two voids. First, him, he must come first. Second, though, we can never get healed in isolation. We need each other and we must love each other. And so the enemy works overtime in these two areas to um, to not let us see ourselves the way God made us. So when God created Eve, she carried the beauty of God. She carried the heart of God. If you look in women and mothers, what are the, they usually are the unconditional lovers. If there's a divorce, she's the one that takes the children. If a child wakes up in the middle of the night, she's the one that lays down her life and goes and um, takes care of these kids. And if you look in Ephesians, God never tells the woman to lay down her life for her children. It's already in her to do it. But what he says, he says that to the husband, because in the garden, that more selfish nature came. But what did come in the garden towards the woman was to control her husband or to control relationships. Just think about it. Usually it's in a woman's relationship. You're worried someone's going to go behind your back. It's in a woman's relationship. You're worried that maybe my friends might talk about me. That's not the weakness of a man. And so God knew in the garden, certain weaknesses came in. And with the beauty that God put inside of her, because when God created her, she was like that finishing final touch of all creation. And when God brought her to Adam, she did carry the beauty of God. He was attracted to her and the enemies come to destroy that beauty because you 
were created in the image of God. And so it was one time that Satan was the most beautiful of all creatures. And women might not understand it, but he understands it, that we carry the beauty of God. And he also understands that we also carry the image of God one step uh, deeper than he ever was. So in the next life, no angel will ever be called a child of God. That is only us. And so it says, in Ezekiel 28, you were the model perfection. This is talking about Satan, full of wisdom, perfect and beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. And then it talks about all the stones, the beautiful, precious stones he was adorned with. You were anointed as the guardian cherub for so I ordained you. You walked on the holy mount of God. He was so close to God and you walked among the fiery stones, but your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor, Ezekiel 28, 17. So right then and there, Satan understands that you carry the beauty of God and he wants to mar that beauty. He does it through pornography. He does it through our lives. He does it through us, our uh, self-worth. And he's trying to stop you from living out of the way you were designed to live out of your beauty, to live out of your heart, to live out of unconditional love and he wants you to put walls up so you don't live the way he designed. Uh, absolutely. Beautifully, beautifully. Put. Oh my goodness gracious. We've Everybody, you've got to get this book. It's called Pure Heart by Tom and Donna Cole. Um, you can go to their website, pureheart.rest and you can, uh, you'll find it. I will also have that, that website up on my web, on my website from the median.org on my, on my p- uh, front page. So the, uh, finally, before we've got about two, three minutes left, what do you want your, your readers to get from this book? Donna, in two minutes. Okay, so what we, um, what I want is, of course, healing, mm. um, uh, healing for their hearts, for their souls, that they could see how much God loves them, that He He could start to unravel the lies that they believe about themselves that they might not even realize that they do, or the wounds that they've carried all their lives that we've pushed down, and that they can be real with God again. The Psalms. Are get in touch with their heart. They, they're talking about hurt, pain. They even talk about anger. Why do the wicked prosper? The, God put the Psalms in so he knows we can be our, from the trueness of our hearts. And when you get to the trueness of your heart, you can release that hurt. You can release those lies to God. It says, whatever we bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. I can, I can, whatever I loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. I can loose things out of my soul, Mm. out of my heart, out of my mind, give those things to Jesus and let him pour back in. So what I would say is the best way to go through this is you can um, read the book, one chapter, then on pureheart.rest, R-E-S-T, you can go to the companion video. And so the whole thing is designed that you read a chapter, watch a chapter, allow God to stir up the wounds that he knows that are still there. So in the end, we lead you through prayer after many of those sessions so you can give them to God. It's really an avenue of healing of the heart. We get many testimonies of people that just read the book, watch those videos, and their lives have been, have uh, been changed. changed. Yeah, yeah. And, and God has entered. I mean, it just uh, your, your, your whole, your whole 
beautiful witnesses. So thank you, God. Thank you, God, for putting Donna Cole in our, in our midst. And, and we really, you know, we, we wish that you will keep doing what you're doing and keep spreading this amazing, wonderful word of God. And folks, you can go to our website from the org, and Donna's website will be there. The book is called Pure Heart and it's Tom and Donna Cole. Donna, thank you so much for, for all you've done for pouring your heart out into this ministry. We, we were so appreciated. God bless you lots. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Don't go anywhere. I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world-class inspiring guest. 